This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Today we want to talk about another author. So first of all, uh, you might remember I, I went to Iowa, University of Iowa. I still got my jersey back there behind me. You can kind of see that. Uh, number 60, um, 97 to 2000, something like that. Hard to remember all those times, quite frankly. But, you know, we're, we're all getting older. Um, Brian Kent is today's guest. And he was a walk-on athlete on the team. We went, uh, we were both there, 97, as freshmen. As I told Brian off the air before, you know, before the show here, I don't remember a lot of stuff from back then. So any stories he might or might not have about me, I don't remember them. I don't know if they're true or not. We will find out. But Brian wrote a book. And you know what? Writing a book takes a lot of work. Um, I wrote uh, three books. Um, and you know they were all the blog to book strategy. So basically, I turned my blog into a book. Um, if you want to check out his book, it's highlighted at the bottom there, Walked On, um, $44.99, uh, five-star book on Amazon. So right at the bottom, you can click on over and check it out. This show is also being live-streamed on his book page currently on Amazon. So I think that's uh, a cool feature from the friends at Amazon. Let's get him on the show here out of the green room or out of the gym, I guess, rather. Brian, how's it going, man? Christoph, thanks for having me, buddy. It's nice to see you again. Nice to see you as well. So where are you located today? Well, I am in Chicago, Illinois, where I've lived most of my life. We're broadcasting live from Andre Mark Westside Gym, which is in the East Garfield Park neighborhood. We are uh, a, f- a facility of trainers and small group classes, kids, you know, youth athlete training, and a lot of emphasis on movement and function and keeping people healthy, especially during the year where most people are a little fearful of their health. And is the gym currently open? It is. So it's, it's, it's a private gym. So there's no, everything is appointment-based, whether it be a trainer with a client or a, a class time. But there's no, it's not a traditional gym. It's more of a boutique, which gives us a little bit more flexibility in how we organize our day. Got it. But, but definitely bringing people in despite COVID. I mean, I'm going to the gym here too in Iowa, and there's some restrictions on where you can run or whatever, and you know you can't be too close to each other. So let's talk about, I mean, turning the clocks way back here. I mean, you know, I, I hate to admit it how old we are getting, uh, but, you know, I'm getting older by the second, so to speak. Um, tell me about the book. Why did you write it, what it's about, and, and, and uh, you know, what prompted it? Well, I, well, first, I think I should let your audience know that you and I lived three dorm rooms down from each other on the fifth floor of Slater in Iowa City back in 1997. I think you and I may have missed a class or two playing college football 98 on your PlayStation. And Not me. I'm glad we both, <laughs> <laughs> for, for all the kids listening, go to school. Don't, don't play PlayStation. But it's, it's great to see you again after all these years. It's great to see you as well. And, and so the 98, um, I think it was, I don't know if it was the fall. Maybe it was the fall. Maybe it was the spring. I don't know. But it was my worst semester. But however, I won. I don't know, five championships on the PlayStation uh, college football or whatever. So I don't know when we played, but um, certainly <laughs> didn't get a lot of studying done. Um, but yeah, seriously, like, you know, have better time management than than I did. I do remember that. I don't remember 
uh, much else. But I do remember um, putting the beat down on everybody. <laughs> Good times, my man. Good times. Good times. Good times. So tell tell us about tell, what's your story. What's the book? Uh, what what are we? Uh, why should people read it? So my athletic career was definitely very strange, and my goal as a high school kid, maybe even a little bit younger, was to play Big Ten football and Major League Baseball. Of course, I had to achieve one or both of those. I, I was recruited to play football at Iowa and baseball at Iowa at that time. But the, uh, if I'm digressing here, the book was written after I had ankle surgery in, in 2017. My mom and dad both for years thought that I should document a story about my athletic path through being a walk-on football player at the University of Iowa, a walk-on baseball player at the University of Nebraska, and playing three years of minor league baseball, finishing my career with the White Sox. They thought that the story was definitely applicable to kids now, even though it happened about 20 years ago, that some of the lessons learned along the way could help inspire a kid to stay with their goals when times get hard or even when times are, are easy. Yeah, I mean, so you actually went, you were at Iowa, and then, then, you, then you moved to uh, Nebraska? What years? So when I got to Iowa, like, I had mono. So mm -hmm. it was a, I, excuse me, I should back up. Coming out of high school, I was supposed to be a, a walk-on, a preferred walk-on fullback for the Hawkeyes and a, a potential scholarship catcher. So it was understood that I was going to play both sports for a year and then had to make a decision on what, where I was going to go. And the idea being that if I was a scholarship baseball player and a walk-on football player, after a year, I would be expected to play baseball full-time, which I, I, was, I was fine with those, with those terms. But right before I graduated high school, the head retired abruptly, and with that went away any potential scholarship. So I arrived on campus as a football player with mononucleosis, which put me in the hospital on day one and put my body weight down to 183 pounds which is not big enough to be a Big Ten kicker, much less to be a Big Ten fullback, you know, cracking heads with linebackers and defensive ends. So after that 98 spring game, I had uh, a class in Iowa City, a leadership class. You probably, you probably took it too. And we read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People oh, by Stephen yeah. Covey. I remember that. And one of his habits was to begin with the end in mind. And if I want to be a Major League Baseball player, what am I doing playing college football? And the new Iowa baseball coach would not let me play baseball because I was on the football team. So my body was too small for Big Ten football. I realized that my best path was baseball. And if I couldn't play baseball at Iowa, I needed to go somewhere else. So it, it killed me to leave behind because I, I loved everything about Iowa football. I loved Kinnick Stadium. I loved the Swarm. I loved, you know, the black and gold. It was, it was, it was a special a moment to be a part of that and it's hard i consider myself to be a, a pretty uh team-based person so it's hard for me to leave that team behind and, and go play baseball which led me to the university of nebraska in lincoln got it and then you you played there um so but certainly an interesting uh, story and i'm always a big fan of people actually writing down their stories and sharing them um and you know people can learn from that certainly Uh, and I, you know, I've shared many of my own stories. Sometimes it's just verbally, and and sometimes, uh, you know, I put it in a book. Um, I actually haven't written about my own story, how I got here. And uh, I went back to talk talk to the Iowa City West football team um, one of these days about, um, you know, how I made it um, onto that team. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops 
In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road, and if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. I always love when people share their own stories. And in my story, when I went to Iowa City West, you know, I couldn't play for like, I don't know how long, but it seemed like forever because I transferred in too late, you know. So guess what? I could play JV earlier. So I just, you know, tried to rip it up on JV and whatever. And then, you know, somebody got injured at some point. I took my shot uh, and I, you know, I played. So you always have to be ready. You have to be ready when your number gets called and you have to, to move forward. And that's a story I think I only shared one time, Brian, uh, when I actually went back to talk to the Iowa City West football team for one of their, their pregame meals, like they, on Thursday night they got a meal, and so I, t- I talked about that. So I'm always amazed when people share their story. Um, but, but walk us through it. So then what happened next? And I mean, I assume all this is in your book too. It is. So I, I had to transfer. My college career was very odd. It was five years. I, had, I went to three schools. I played two sports. I had mono and I had shoulder surgery. So my, my college career was definitely... I would grade it out to be like an incomplete. Um, I didn't get a chance to play much. I had some trouble with my Nebraska coach. I had, I transferred again to a Division two school. Right, I I got a scholarship. Then I got hurt, and they took a scholarship away. So, to play baseball at, at the pro level, like this is this is not the path that most people would would ever select. And it was hard for me because I felt like I, you know, my my goals again were again to play Division one Big Ten football. That was kind of an incomplete. My goals would be drafted into a major league organization. That didn't happen. So I was really feeling mentally and physically wounded, having had shoulder surgery, that I, I wasn't on the, the journey, on the path rather, to, to achieve goals. And I'm, I'm a goal setter, and I, I feel like I had achieved none of them. So mentally, I was kind of in a, in a tough place. You know, graduate college, you come home, and I'm in my parents' house. And I'm like, I should be at camp somewhere. Why, why, what am I doing here? And it was really a tough path to get back in, into pro baseball after having had really not a lot of success in college. Yeah, and of course, I mean, but but facing adversity, I mean, that's something all of us have to overcome, right? Just to different degrees. Um, and certainly, um, that's something I talk about in my book, Content Performance Culture. How do you run that next play? You know, I always, I currently, I, li- I love to use the example of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what does Patrick Mahomes do? Like, he, he rips it up, you know, and, and he comes right back and he, he does another, he runs another play. He, he runs a route as a wide receiver or he has a, in the pass gets intercepted uh, and he goes back and he runs another play or he has a 42 yard loss for, for in a sack. He comes back and says, Hey, it worked in Madden, which uh, whatever, it didn't work in Madden when I was playing Brian in, in 1998 and had a 2.4 GPA or whatever it was that one semester. But I was rocking it when it comes to college football, uh, you know, on the PlayStation so how did you move forward from all these things? How did you keep, uh, how did you keep the eye on the price and, and you know, how, uh, where did it go from there? You know, I, I, needed to, I needed to strengthen myself. And I always felt like it's a walk-on, especially a two-sport walk-on, I always needed something to be different about me. You know, as, as a football player, where if I, if I caught a pass on the football field, you know, the scouts would say, oh, he's also a catcher. If I ran someone over at the plate. It's like, oh, he's also a, a fullback. But 
football was in the past. It's like I and I really didn't have a successful college career, so it's like I need I need to find something about me that makes me different, that makes my resume more attractive than somebody else's. It can't just be baseball. There has to be more to me than just that. So I was very fortunate that I I started getting hard into, into martial arts. And there's Lions Martial Arts in uh, Southwest Suburban Woodridge. It was a Taekwondo, Hapkido, Judo, kickboxing school. And it really was therapeutic for me to not only learn how to write because we worked on almost like a seated meditation, which in 2002 was something that wasn't as common as it is now. Plus, I, as a kid, I thought it was stupid. But now I understand like what it was about and what it was for. And I realized that I needed to, instead of trying to like uh, fight against everybody else, I needed to fight more for me. And it was really a, a mindset shift. And I was fortunate to be around people that were very positive and very encouraging, which was not necessarily the case of, during my college career. So it helped build back my confidence physically as well as mentally. So then after college, you, I mean, you didn't, uh, did you make it to the, you did not make it to the, to the majors or anything like that, right? You moved uh, on or how did that go? So I played two years of independent league, minor league baseball, which is, a pretty low level team. There's actually the, the there's a team in Sioux city that mm -hmm. was in that league. So I was making $750 a month in my first year and then $600 a month in my second year. So that was a, you know, a lot of long bus rides. I, mean, I, I don't mind doing the work, but I'm looking around and I got friends that are you know, getting married and, and I'm looking at my life. I'm like, but am I doing the right thing or am I, I'm playing pro baseball, but I'm in a very low level. I'm not anywhere near the major league, much less a major league, minor league affiliate. I'm asking myself, how, how, am I am I following the right path here? Because I, I feel like I've gotten a taste of success, but I, it's not enough to satisfy my like my hunger to do well. So I played 03, 04 in, in minor leagues, and I didn't play in 05 and 06. So I didn't feel like I had retired, but I had started personal training downtown Chicago at Crunch Fitness. And in 2007, we had a White Sox scout that came into the gym. He was a member of the gym when the Sox are home. And this was, uh, you know, I'm sorry, it was 2006, but it was right after the White Sox won the World Series in 05. So at that time, the White Sox were like the hottest team in baseball. Mm -hmm. And I grew up a Cub fan, but had shifted more toward the Sox because they were good and the Cubs were not. So I'm watching Sox games and I, I got this White Sox scout in the gym. And he actually had... Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to talk to him about a chance to play. And it was very nerve wracking for me because I, I was sort of, I was stressed about my previous experiences with college. My numbers weren't great. Pro ball, my numbers weren't great. But now I had this, this White Sox decision maker that I need, I need to say something. I didn't quite have the confidence to speak my mind in the way that I probably could do now. But one conversation later, he invited me to spring training with the White Sox in 2007. So Earlier in the week, I think you had a podcast, like you just mentioned, about you know, taking advantage of opportunities. And, and, mm -hmm. and when your number's called, you got to be ready. And that's sort of a theme that's carried me throughout high school, through college, and into pro ball, is if you know, preparation is always under our control. There are circumstances on the field that we cannot control, but how ready we are, how prepared we are, what we do when things go wrong, and how we carry ourselves in times of good and times of bad it matters. All that is important. And I felt like I had been taking care of my body. In a, as a personal trainer, I had learned – you know, how, to, how to train better, how to, how to eat better. So when the White Sox signed me, I had the best version of myself coming through the door. That was important. And you were ready when uh, you were ready when they were ready. And of course, just because you grew up as a Cubs fan doesn't mean you were not going to be able to play for the White Sox, right? 
So funny part, like my family and friends are split Cub Sox in Chicago. There's a ton yeah. of shit talking on both sides of town. I mean, it's it's relentless. It's year round. You know, there's always something to say about something. Adam, uh, when I, I I quit the Cubs when they lost the Marlins in 2003, they lost. You know, <laughs> they blew that series, and I was pissed. I had shoulder surgery. I played in Gary. I had a bad year, and I was I was not in a good place in my life. And the Cubs lose the series. They should win. I'm like, screw it. I'm done with them. And I wasn't a Sox fan yet, but the Sox were starting to get good. They had hired Ozzie Guillen as their manager. He was a pretty funny guy. He's he's fiery. He's getting ejected from games and being an unbelievably um, great media source. You know, his sound bites are epic. His post game press conferences are yeah. epic. And then I, when I officially signed the contract. I went out and bought my first ever Sox hat, and I, I, I feel like I switched sides uh, in, in the Chicago baseball war. Some of my buddies are giving me all kinds of crap, like, I can't believe you're a traitor. The other half of my friends are like, oh, yeah, come on. I'm like, well, we'll take you. We'll take you. So it was great to be a part of that hometown team because, you know, in Chicago and Chicagoland, like kids in Iowa, they grow up loving the Hawkeyes. They grow up – kids in Nebraska, they grow up loving the Huskers. We, Chicago, we don't have that same college connection. I feel like Chicagoland, like we're a high school in a, in a pro town. We don't Illinois like it's yeah, it's like it's in Champaign. It's not that close like Northwestern. It's cool, but I mean I couldn't get in Northwestern. I could probably not even spell Northwestern. So we don't quite have like that that same hometown connection, except mm-hmm. we do with our pro teams and the Bears, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Sox, the, the Cubs. Right, those are teams that like are, are special to our hearts. So when I got there and had a a jersey in my locker with my name on it, it was like probably how you felt when you saw your Hawkeye jersey for the first time too. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then uh, how did the, the White Sox career go? So I signed in 07. I'm in spring training. I had a, a decent camp. I was also 27 years old, which in baseball years is pretty old for a guy that had had two years off. And I'm, you know, I'm working through like everybody else, some good days, some bad days, trying to carry myself professionally and not get too high and not get too low. And the, the, the last day of typical with my athletic career, the last day of spring training, I was in camp with the, the AAA team, but I was told I was going to play low A ball. Then I was told I was going to stay in Arizona for extended spring training. Then I was told I was released all within 30 minutes. So a super high high of making a team, yeah. followed by a very low low of being told I'm going home. Oh, yeah, you're going, you're going back to Chicago, just not with the White Sox. <laughs> so that's really how it ended. But I feel like for all the athletes that are fighting for reps or – to play in high school or play beyond there's a lot of stress and a lot of days that are just not as good as you want them to be so how can you stay motivated to train to get better to practice and to work on your own when you don't have if you don't always have people telling you to do it yeah and you always always got to move forward so so then the the book i mean tell, tell me about the process were you, were you a writer or um, how did that so, go my degree is in English, which is hilarious because mm-hmm. everyone says, oh, what, what is that? Like, what do you do with that? Right. That's, I've heard that for since I graduated. But, you know, other than writing some pretty good emails, I would say I, I didn't really know what to do with it. But I had a, I had ankle surgery in 2017 after a very freak judo accident. And I couldn't work or train for about six weeks. So I thought, well, instead of sitting here on the couch, I need to do something. So I sort of sat at the computer and I was telling you my computer technological skills are, are very, very poor. So I got into my email and I started typing out how the chapters would be organized. And I started writing everything, typing everything down in, in ways that I remembered them. And because my, my parents throw away nothing, they had boxes in a garage that had some of the college papers that I wrote while this was all happening that I used as references 
that helps sort of put some of the the placement and the, the, the statistics from baseball and stuff like that into the chapters. So uh, it took about three years to write. I'm not a real writer. I, I am, after I got back to the gym, it was hard to find time to write. But I think we went through 26 rounds of full book edits. I mean, I hired an editor. My aunt, my aunt Pam was my editor. We hired people to, to help. But I, I pretty much sat at the computer and, and edited and re- read it out loud and, and tried to make sure that I, I told as good a story as I could tell because sometimes it's not what happened, but how well you tell the story, that's important. 26 edits, that's very different than uh, writing that paper in the uh, computer lab and whatever it is, uh, Quad Hall at the University of Iowa at computers that have monitors this this far back. Um, so not, I'm not saying you ever did that, but certainly I know other people other people did. Um, so and, and talk about the I mean, has it been worth it to, to come up with a book or, or how do you how do you feel about telling that story in that way? You know, I felt relief. You know, I, I, it took forever and I, I wanted to use my voice because I work with a lot of kids. I, I work with the Chicago mm-hmm. elite volleyball program and Lions township, Lions township soccer, some Olympic caliber athletes as well. And I, I, I could see, I could feel the frustration and the stress from them when they weren't, when goals were, you know, it's, it's not, it's not linear, right? You go up, down, it's like a roller coaster. And I experienced much of that myself as a player. And I thought, well, if I could help these kids out, individually maybe a book could help out more kids and while i was you know, i never really intended to be an author it, i did feel like it was a story worth telling because some of the kids i trained had had similar experiences with coaches that i had which were not very positive well and that's that's the beauty of, of all these different channels whether it's a book or whether it's a podcast or the live stream you know uh you can reach more people at once so they they can't necessarily ask you questions uh, even though they could email you or whatever or or, or tweet at you um, something like that, but that's that is a, a way to reach more people. Um, the book, of course, is available uh, on Amazon. You guys can check it out there. Um, and are you uh, like are you on a book tour, or how do you how do you promote <laughs> it to people? You know the that part of it is is still again. I'm I'm just a, a trainer and a strength coach. I don't. I'm not really into promotions. Plus, as a catcher and a fullback, like hey. Fun. So that that part is unnatural to me. I'd rather just go, go do my job and go back to work the next day. But I understand that part of this is getting the message out there. So I was fortunate that you contacted me. I've done some podcasts with some friends and had some sample writings. One's coming out in, in Stack Magazine pretty soon, which is a, an online resource for a lot of kids in, in training. And working around some of the some of the influencers that I know and, and just sort of passing the book out to people that I think would help the most. You know, it's not about making any money. It's about really helping any kid that feels frustrated stay on their goal on their path they achieve their goals under you know any of the, any circumstances yeah and make it just to, to be very clear with everyone very um transparent making a lot of money on books is actually extremely hard especially if you think about how much time you've already put in i mean just think about brian mentioned um 26 uh 26 edits that takes time and even if you hire uh, hire somebody that it's, it's more more uh more cost and then you're gonna need a cover design and you need other design and, and whatever. And did you self-publish or how did you publish it? We did. It's really funny. I had asked. So I also I work with Nike. I'm, I'm a Nike Chicago trainer. And I had asked Nike if they had any publishing referrals that they could direct me toward. And they did send me to one downtown that basically they dismissed me because I did not have a social media following or a blue check next to my name that was worth promoting, which was a little bit 
disgusting to me because I thought you're judging my book based on my following, but not based on the book itself or how, how good the book is. If you read the book and thought it sucked, like, okay, I'm a grown man. I can handle that kind of criticism, but to be dismissed based on like the perceived power of my social media, like, come on, that's, that seems very weak for them. So we did decide to go to self publishing route also because of my sister, Maggie did all the, the, the design work and we hired a, a book designer. It was my understanding that if you self publish, you have much more say over the creative process. And we wanted to really hammer home a book that looked like a, like, like a major league book before it even hit the shelf, so to speak. So it was, it was cool to self publish and keep that control. Although my, my initial goal was to have someone pick it up. Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting. Uh, I, I've had that de- de- debate myself. You know, who do you, do you go with somebody else, or do you pitch it, or you just publish? I've published, self published all my books. Um, the last book, even I, I created my own cover. I designed it in Adobe Spark, and um, I had at least one designer say to me, "Oh, your your cover looks really great. Who designed it?" And I said, "Oh, me." Um, so you know, it's not horrible. It's not you know, it's not going to win me any design awards probably, but um, but it's getting the getting the job done. Um, fantastic, Brian. It was great to catch up with you. Thanks for making the time. Uh, it's always awesome to see people writing books, sharing their stories, trying to help people. I mean, that's what we're all about here at the Business Storytelling Podcast. Absolutely, man. We've come a long way from the fifth floor of Slater Hall. It's been nice to see your your career take off, and then best wishes for more success. Yeah, same to you. We've come. That's been a long time ago. Fifth floor of Slater Hall. Oh, my goodness. The stories that will go untold from here. Not today, (laughs) not anytime. Thanks, everyone, for (laughs) listening. Until next time. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com.